Hello, my name is Reggie Young. I'm here with Ross Zeiger. Uh, Ross, if you could take a quick minute to explain a little bit about who you are and how you got started. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Reggie, for having me on. Um, I'm Ross, obviously, and I'm originally from Washington State. I went to University of Washington. I became a military officer like Reggie. I did ROTC at University of Washington, which meant that I commissioned as a second lieutenant into the Marine Corps. And I started down a path of becoming a, a pilot, a helicopter pilot, and got about 200 hours flying three different models of aircraft. And I was on the verge of becoming winged and I dropped out. I hated, I hated flying. Mm. I hated, uh, more really what it came down to is I didn't enjoy being in the military. And so dropping out was my fastest path out. Um, but yeah, ultimately just. I cut that path short and got reassigned as an air support control officer. I had to finish up my, my active duty contract. And so, um, yeah, I was air, air support control officer, which is like air traffic control, but more mobile version. We operate out of Humvees with maps and radios. It's like super antiquated, <laughs> but that's what we did. And, um, I was stationed in Okinawa, Japan, and then Korea for six months went all over the Pacific on different exercises and things. And then uh, I met my wife when I was in Korea. And shortly after that, in November of 2019, I got out. So that was about three years ago at this point. Um, and then I just planned to, to travel for as long as I could. But my timing wasn't great. <laughs> we entered 2020. I, I started traveling in Mexico and then Southeast Asia and then got stuck in Nepal during COVID lockdowns. Um, and so I was there for three months and then came back to the US. I had no plan, I had no job, I had no, nothing lined up. So I ended up buying a business, which was something I've always wanted to do, it was run a business. And that business was a doggy daycare. And so ran that for almost a year, um, grew it from practically nothing. It opened during COVID. So there was like no customers, nothing, went how the founders expected it to and uh grew it into a little bit of something and then sold it <laughs> again after about i think it was about 10 months that we ran that um and then I, I didn't use a broker for that process i just figured everything out myself but that introduced me to the world that brokerage even existed which is what i do now um and then i spent a year as a consultant between between that running that business and becoming a broker and uh, that leads me to to what I do now. So. Excellent. I didn't, I didn't know that you were in uh, flight school and that's pretty interesting because having gone to the Air Force Academy, a lot of my friends uh, have become pilots. And when I was at the Air Force Academy, it is like the number, one of the top places to go if you want to be a pilot. It's like, if you're, if you're there, all you hear about for the whole time I was there was like, be a pilot, like be a pilot, be a pilot, be a right. pilot. And everyone kind of drinks the Kool-Aid in a way um, or a, a good amount of people do. And uh, there are a, a lot of my friends who, having watched, they always said Top Gun was like the movie that inspired them. Yeah, to, especially because as Marines, we go to the Navy flight school. And so all the Navy pilots, they all want to fly F-18s. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, making like Top Gun references here and there and trying to be cool, but not too cool. Um, exactly. In, in regards to that. Yeah, and it's interesting. Just um, it makes me think about one, like flying was never really my thing. When I joined the military, it was like just to kind of get ahead in life and push past some blocks that I felt like I was 
hitting. And mm-hmm. when I got accepted to the Air Force Academy, it was, I thought to myself, oh, I never thought I could be a pilot before. But then I, for us, it was, I don't know what it's like for Marine officers, but it's probably the same. But for us, it's a 10-year commitment after two years of training. Is that the same for, exactly. for you guys? Yeah. And he's like, I have, that, I have a hard time committing to anything for more than a couple of years, let alone 12. Yes. So, so I bet that, that, that was, yeah. that was exactly my like line of thinking. If I winged, I would have had a eight year commitment and that was just like daunting. Like I just was not up for that. So. Right. Yeah. 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 And I remember like thinking to myself when I was at a preparatory school, I met a pilot and I felt like everyone that I met was it's almost like they were high a little bit in terms of being a pilot. Like, yeah, pilot, pilot, pilot. And I was like, hmm, interesting. And my first, uh, first like year at the preparatory school, I met a pilot there. And it was like the first person I felt that I met that was like kind of calm. And he looked at me and he was kind of telling people like, hey, like don't drink the Kool-Aid too much, you know, like make sure that th- this is what you want to be doing. And I, it was the first time I heard that from somebody, like that one counter, counter. I guess like counterproductive for lack of a better word voice that everybody else was saying. Mm-hmm. And it re- it kind of resonated with me because I wasn't all, all in on being a pilot. And um, I really started to hold on to that. So I, I talked to him after like the, the meeting and he said, I asked him like, you know, so how is it? And he said, Oh, like, you know, to be honest, it, he said, he said the word that really resonated with me. And he said, glorified bus driver. And I thought to myself, I never thought about it that way. Like I never thought about it that way. And I'm not saying that I have a lot of respect. Trust me, like gone through the academy, have friends that are fighter pilots, all types of pilots. I have so much respect for what pilots go through, right? Especially coming from a military background, a lot of respect for that. Um, but I think deep down, it's just for me, it, something, they were early signals for me recognizing that it wasn't the path for me. And I, mm-hmm. I had met other cadets and other people who didn't know what, what path they wanted to go down. And they were just like, uh, I just want to be a pilot because it's cool. Or I just want to be, I could tell there's a lot of group think and people didn't know what they wanted to do. So they kind of just literally drank the Kool-Aid and did what others wanted to do. And I know a few of them now are kind of like, they're literally stuck. And, and then when you get stuck, then you really start to be like, well, then you just kind of accept it. And then you just, yeah, and then you form a whole identity around it. And, you know, we really do form our identities around, most people do around what they do in their nine to five or, and that influences the people you're around which influences your beliefs and your culture and everything. And it runs so deep. Like the, pro- the programming runs so deep, the, like the culture will run so deep. And uh, I'm really thankful that I identified that for me, that path like wasn't for me, but I think it's really cool that for you, you were able to basically fly. You got like, you know, yeah. so many flight hours and then you didn't have to do like the whole 10 years and you identified that it, it wasn't for you. Um, and the last thing I want to really mention, cause I rarely get people who, uh, who were, uh, in flight school on the podcast. You're the first person. I'm probably sure you'd be the last one that I have on the podcast. So I, I want to share something I thought was very interesting as well. It comes to my mind is when I was at the Academy, there was a, a, a lot of people, right. Who were motivated, who really want to be like a fighter pilot. And if people don't know, like being a fighter pilot amongst being a pilot is really hard. It's normally like best of the best get selected for that position. And then you're going to the academy where the best of the best are trying to, are all competing for that one goal to be a, a fighter pilot. And it was a weird culture that I noticed where, you know, a lot of 18 to 22 year old people right out of high school, very kind of like trying to learn their masculinity in a way and in like a military type of way. 
um, while trying to be like, while knowing that their end goal was Top Gun type of fighter pilot mentality, while still trying to be like a cool bro. So like the the excellence that that I saw them trying to attain, they always kind of have to cap it a little bit and be like, oh, you know, like oh that's cool, but like oh, you're you're too much of a nerd for one. You're like a tryhard, so you have to like try hard with while, while still looking cool. And I thought that was kind of, I I really didn't like that that mentality at the time. I thought it was like you know older now looking back i thought to myself like ah, this isn't probably the best way to go about um creating a good culture of like just being around people that want to uh, be the best versions of, of themselves whatever that is and mm-hmm. it, it brings you back to this one uh person that i met he he was like kind of like a like really like this big nerd but he always wanted to be like a fighter pilot. I remember going to his dorm room and he had this whole like video game flight simulator all set up. And he was like <laughs> playing all like the, all the planes and all this kind of stuff like that. And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, I've been wanting to fly since I was six years old. My dad's a, a, a yeah. pilot, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he's now a fighter pilot. And I thought to myself, and I even asked him too, it was like, hey, did, did all this help you do that? And he's like, oh yeah, totally. Like doing the simulator games as a kid with all like the, trying to get it as, as correctly as possible helped him when he was going through training, just gave him a little bit of an edge of familiarity and all that kind of stuff. And I think like he got there because he, he was willing to embrace that, that counterculture of like, of showing that he wanted to be a pilot and like being proud and being like, Hey, this is actually what I want to do. I don't care if you think of me as, as a nerd or whatever, or, or I get ostracized because I'm not quote unquote cool enough. Um, so anyway, uh, that's immediately what I thought about when it comes to being a pilot, the next thing I thought about is, man, you really had a really cool few years. You were able to, to fly a couple of airframes, helo pilot, you know, the, my understanding to helo pilots, uh, you know, they're definitely more of the top red type of tracks. And that, and then on top of that, you're in Korea. So you're like, I was stuck in North Dakota, small, super small town. <laughs> and here you are like traveling Southeast Asia. Uh, so how was that experience for you uh, being, uh, being in Korea and, uh, and, and being in that part of the world? Yeah, um, you raised a lot of good, really good points with talking about your buddies that became pilots and stuff. I, I liked a lot of what you said, and I could talk about all that stuff. But um, yeah, Southeast Asia. So I went to, I did an exercise in Thailand. So I was there for a month. And then I was in Philippines for a month. And then, yeah, the other places, Korea, Japan that I mentioned. Um, and that's the thing is it sounds glamorous. Like, you, <laughs> as with a lot of things in the military, it sounds glamorous. You see the recruiting posters, but the reality is far different. Like flying is a prime example. Like it sounds so awesome to be a jet pilot, but what you don't see is that for every hour of flying, you're doing 15 hours of study and preparation. Like whether it's hitting the simulator or planning the flight, getting the flight information, just waiting for your plane to be ready. It's like, there's a lot behind the scenes. Um, so traveling those places, it was cool and there was cool experiences, but I had very little free time. So it wasn't like I was going out and trying a bunch of Thai food and going to Bangkok and stuff like that. Um, so I wanted to get out and do it on my own. And the whole time I was there, I was like, man, this sucks. It's like, I'm in a, like, I don't know, a controlled environment, just looking out at, at what's there. Right. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I I felt. Um, somewhat the same way when I was at the academy, we had a a summer where we went and shadowed uh, other people from different career fields. So I was sent to McDill, Florida, 
And um, there I, I shadowed different people like special forces acquisition officers, which I really wanted to do at the time. I, I shadowed some pilots. I went up in the airframe. Um, and I just thought to myself, and hearing the stories of them saying like, yeah, you know, it's hot right now in the plane. Like it was hot. It was in my flight suit. We're sitting there <laughs> on, the, on like the under runway. Yeah. And I'm just like burning up. And he's like, oh, this is nothing. Wait till you're deployed. And they, they have all this stuff covered up for security. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, and we're just sitting here with like no AC. And I'm just like burning up, like sitting there. I'm like, oh man, like I could not do this for, for, for this long. Um, and anyway, so they had flown in and um, I always heard like, you know, join the military to travel. And that's, that was kind of like the marketing tactic that, there's part of the reason why I decided to join. I was like, okay, I can like leave Hawaii and kind of see other parts of the world, which a lot of people where I'm from don't really do that. They visit Seattle and Vegas and that's about it. And, um, or California. So I thought, okay, I can join the military and travel, but I couldn't do that. Um, I realized I couldn't do that in the military. And it was like, okay, officer, as you're enlisted, you're supposed to travel every four to five years. I joined the military. I become an officer. And now officers travel every four to five years instead of every two to two to four or, or you know, every two years. And um, then I meet pilots and pilots are like, yeah, we travel all, all around the world, this and that. Then I meet pilots and they legitimately go, most of their, look. it looked like most of their routine was, you know, we fly to this one state or this one area. We're there for like two, three days and then we fly back. And I, I thought, I remember like arriving with some of them, literally like getting off the plane with a few of them. They have their bags and then they just, they roll into a rinky dink hotel on base. They crack open a few beers. They go to sleep alone, maybe with you know, a couple of their coworkers. They wake up the next day. They don't have a car. They don't have the freedom to go out. <laughs> right? They can't have fun because they, they have to fly back and they have to be fit to fly. And uh, right. it really struck a chord with me. And it was something for me, it was like, it didn't resonate with me. And it did for a lot of my other friends, which was great for them. They're like, I love it. This is what I want to do. Great. You know, all of you, but I don't want to be a, uh, a, a, you know, a pilot. And, um, so I guess like, like you and I, I'm really glad, at least for me, I'm really glad that I was able to not listen to any of the noise and just kind of listen to how I felt and be like, yeah, this isn't mm-hmm. for me. Because it's, I would imagine it's really hard when you're in flight school, when you're around that whole environment of people that are like, this is where, this is like, best of the best. This is where it happens. You are this and this. And to pull back from that, man, it's got to be like, like really hard. I mean, I couldn't, how, how did that feel? Like, were you going through like different thoughts of like, you know, this whole career change, becoming an officer, going through all these hours? Like, how was that like changing? Yeah. So there was really interesting question. There's the whole like sunk cost fallacy. You know, I'd spent two years and so much stress and hours and everything studying for all these flights and tests and everything along the way. And so it was definitely like the hardest decision of my life, probably. Um, and then the really interesting thing was though, that once I did it, once I announced to my staff and everything that I was like, I'm done, I'm dropping out and it got around to the other students and stuff, people came up to me and were like, man, that's crazy. I could never do that. Like, I'm, I'm envious of you though. Like, I hate this. And it was (laughs) crazy. It was like, probably five people told me that, like, I, I hate this. I would do that too. But my parents yeah, expect this of me or, right. you know, yeah. uh, I've, I've come this far or whatever. Right. So that yeah. was really eye-opening. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I've, I've never looked back. I've never regretted it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy the amount of, of, of buts and excuses that people give themselves. And like you said, it's, it's usually for something 
it's always something for, or at least it seems like something other than themselves for, yeah. for my family or, you know, some this far, it's like time loss. But what about like what you actually want, right? And having the strength to right. like, step away from that. And for me, I was like, I was 13 years in the, in the military enlisted in 2007. Um, I was more than a few ways away. I was more than halfway through towards retirement, you know? So I was seen as crazy for throwing it all away. Literally, like yeah. literally seen as crazy. Crazy, and I made the decision where I was losing a lot of money, like losing a lot of money. But it, 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 I made it all up and then some. And now I have the freedom to live, to legitimately go wherever I want. I can work on my own hours. I can go to Thailand or any other country, and I can actually do whatever I want, like whatever you know. I can do whatever I want, and it's it's just absolutely amazing. Um, so if you could explain a little bit about um how that whole process was for you when you when you got out and you decided to buy uh. Uh, dog, uh, like a dog pet daycare or dog uh, care physical business. Can you explain like that whole process, uh, what what that was like, and uh, and then what the process was like selling it? Yeah, so I'll start by addressing something you just said about like people who join to do twenty years or like expect to do twenty years. There's kind of a anti ambitious like. Uh, approach in the military with some people who are like oh, i'm just gonna do my 20 years and then i'm gonna relax and i'll be done when i'm 38 and i'll chill the rest of my life and i really did not like that that mentality because it's like people that just want to get by and just have free health care for the rest of their life and kind of do the bare minimum and so um yeah i didn't that's that's one thing that i i didn't enjoy about some of my peers and the, the, a lot i mean most people in the military are great of course but um just wanted to mention that. So yeah, how I bought the doggy daycare and ended up selling it and stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I was back from Nepal and had no plans. I would, <laughs> I I planned to be out of the country during that time, and here I was stuck during lockdown. And I was just browsing through like I don't even know if I knew about Biz Buy Sell at that time, but I was on a Facebook Marketplace and I saw that there was this distressed doggy daycare basically it opened during covid and they were just trying to get out of it just it wasn't working how they had expected and it was cheap i had a significant amount of savings from my time in the military and i basically just went for it like with very little due diligence hell yeah <laughs> again i had no broker i didn't have a cpa right. look at it or right. anything like that. um and so i bought it and i was found myself grooming dogs the next day <laughs> that's cool yeah. it all happens super quick just like informal contracts and everything purchase agreement and took over the rent and uh ended up hiring some employees you know grew into a legitimate business had some like social media presence and advertising and it was it was a i call it my real life mba like my my yeah. trial by Holy. fire mba oh like, yeah yeah i learned marketing sales Again, management, hiring, firing, and um, everything, every every aspect of the business, bookkeeping. So it was a great experience. And then, but it wasn't like what we wanted to do forever. My wife had other plans. She's trying to become a veterinarian. So um, it was it was obvious that we had to get out of it as quickly as possible. And so that's what we did. We ended up selling it and uh, yeah, moving on to the next thing. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, I think to myself, I was a, a business uh, management major at the Air Force Academy, and um, it was 
known to be one of the top places to go for business management in the nation for undergraduate. And I learned more failing at selling iPhone 6 cases on my Wix.com website in six mm -hmm. months about business than I learned in four years at, at, a, at a university about business management. So I, I, I really think it's worth just getting into some kind of online business because people reach out to me. And they're like, hey, how, how, do, how can I get started? What path should I go down? Et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, if you just start, just starting for most people is the reason why they never, they never hit that three pointers. They never even pick up the ball and, and try Absolutely. a layer, you know, or, or try a half court shot. Doesn't matter. Pick that thing up and go because you're going to learn all about the mechanics, the, the failure, except, and it's just going to get easier and easier and that you'll double down on that momentum. Um, but I really love what you said about literally a, a, an M MBA degree. And I would imagine it's next level when you're doing online and a physical space at the exact same time. Like you're literally like doing all hats. Like when I do online business, I've never owned a physical business. It's not something that I'm attracted to, but I could not imagine like physical store, like employees coming in. That must be so real, especially after walking away uh, from a, a career as a military officer. Um, what are some things that uh, that worked out well for you? while you were doing that or things that you struggled with like throughout that process? Yeah, I think when you say things that worked well, the first thing that comes to mind, the most like crazy like drawing buzz for our business was Facebook ads. <laughs> we ran a Facebook ad early on, like maybe a month and a half into running the business. And I set it at like $5 a day or something like that. And that was the first and only time I've ever gone somewhat viral online. Like Hell yeah. it got, it, we were in a, t a small town in Washington state and it got something like 10,000 views in oh, geez. a few hours. Yeah. And cause the, our prices were too low. That was another big lesson was setting prices and how mm -hmm. to charge and stuff. But so it was just a picture of our, our prices. And then we posted that as a Facebook ad and like 10,000 people saw it and the phone was ringing off the hook for like two days straight. Yeah. And that was the, the time where like our business went from like, like, oh crap, should I have done this to like, okay, this is going to work out. Yeah. Um, and so that was a powerful lesson. Like my first time ever running any type of ad online and just how crazy effective it could be. Yeah. Um, what was the other lessons learned? Things that went uh, Yeah. Like things that, uh, that you really struggled with that you maybe have to push through or you know, lessons learned in terms of things that were hard, like a big, yeah, um, I didn't, I think this is something that every entrepreneur has is like letting go of control, hiring for the first time. Um, I didn't hire for like the first four or five months. So it's like hundred percent, my wife and I doing everything like, yeah, cleaning, answering phones, everything. And then, um, finally worked up the the trust and also the like ability to to train and let somebody else open the store and check in customers and things like that answer the phone and so that's always a big hurdle i feel like in every mm -hmm. entrepreneur's journey man uh, I, I i really respect you for that like leaving uh, you know i hear a lot of stories of people reasons why people don't want to leave the military and it's like you know i have a wife or i have kids i have a family and like you and your wife together, like together make a decision to go and do this and jump into the fire. And, you know, that, that, man, it takes a lot of 
lot of courage. So mad respect for you on that. And then, mm. uh, then of course, selling it. And it makes me think to the first, you know, you talk about your win and the first advertising campaign you did with Facebook. Man, I wish my first one went that way. I feel like most people who run advertising the first time mm. end up losing a lot of money. Uh, so I'm, I'm really glad that you had the, uh, that massive experience in like injection of inspiration and, and revenue into your business. So that, that, that must've been really cool to experience that, that fire you know, the first time you run that ad. Yeah. I think, I think maybe because we were a local business, you know, I could just target the zip code and like, it was, it's probably saturated with like, Amazon ads and now they get like a local <laughs> yeah. business. They're like, Hey, this looks cool. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's also goes to show the like advantage of using modern technology in a, a boring business, you know, like a, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I guess me thinking, to be honest, one of my like retirement goals, like I never want to be done with business, but one of my retirement business goals is to have like a space and I don't know what I'm going to call it, but it's going to be a space where it's probably gonna be like a coffee shop during the day. Cause I know coffee shops make a lot of money. I'll have like an activity room, which would be like co-work type of cafe. And then in the afternoons, it turns into like yoga studio, free space studio that people can rent out. And then in the evening, it's like early evening, it's like paint the night or something like that. Like some kind of like, a, you know, couples activity. And then in the, like the, the nighttime, it becomes like a lounge bar with like DJs and stuff. So it's just basically turning over profit 24 seven you come in the morning for coffee and you get a discount code for for alcohol in the evening or whatever and um with that you know you're gonna have a coffee so i want to have a coffee brand and then you have like a paint mm-hmm. like a paint brand and a yoga brand and like a and literally so i using that physical space to create a, a digital brand and all those things and basically have had that place operating 24 7 uh that's like my that's like my business goal dream um yeah, so yeah awesome. i think i've really thought about cool. that too with with the addition of a hostel as well, like a guest house, like have that all inside of a guest house. Yeah. Who knows, man? We'd be business partners there soon. Yeah. Yeah. Dude in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, cool. So then if you could explain a little bit now about, you know, what you're doing now here in, in Mexico and um, it, why you decided on Mexico or are you traveling? I know, you know, you have the wife and you also have a husky, a really cool husky. Yeah. Really, really, uh, yeah, really cool dog. If you could explain a little bit about like your, your travel itinerary and, and why you're in Mexico. Yeah. So like living abroad and traveling has always been part of my plans. Like I said, once I got out of the military and ending up back in the U.S. was just because of COVID really like travel didn't exist. And so all of that was kind of a detour, like running the business, becoming a consultant. And um, yeah, so now I, I feel like I'm like back on the the path that I, I wanted with my life and my wife too she's not American so um it's yeah we both have wanted to travel and learn Spanish that's also part of it we're learning Spanish while we're here and then I'm doing something where I can I can do it remotely I can talk to business owners around the U.S. and talk to them about their business advise them on exit help them with the paperwork if they decide to sell help them get listed and then uh if they're a buyer, I can help them do a search for a business anywhere in the U.S. But yeah, so Mexico is just like, it's different. It's it's exotic. You know, it's not too exotic coming from the U.S., but um, it's just an interesting experience that we wanted. And, and it's the perfect place right now for me to start doing this. And my wife, as she's getting ready for veterinarian school. 
So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, any plans to travel to like other parts of Mexico, see some like cenotes or do anything like that? How long have you, how long have you been here? Uh, just six weeks now, maybe almost, almost seven weeks. We got here early November. Um, and yeah, we, we planned to, we're looking at Querétaro next, which is just north of here. Um, so yeah, we might move elsewhere in central Mexico or I've been to Cozumel. I spent a month in Cozumel and back in 2020 when I first got out of the military and I did a scuba diving program out there. Nice. But yeah, so we'll see probably somewhere else, Mexico, or possibly even going further south to like Colombia or something. Right. Yeah, so. yeah. Colombia is interesting. A little, definitely a little dangerous, but I've never felt more danger. I never felt more scared for my life in Colombia than than anywhere else, to be honest. Interesting. Uh, but it is, it is it, very interesting, and it is uh, very cheap too. I'd say it's, yeah, it's. I'm sure there are a lot of people that live there. One of my friends, I guess, she ran into. Uh, I have one friend that was shot in Colombia. Holy um, crap! But he looks like someone that would get shot. Like he acts like someone oh. that would get shot. So he, I mean, he was in like there super late at night. Um, when I was there, I think a funny story is like, is whenever I would leave, they would say like, Hey, when you're on the street, even during the day, don't have your phone out. So like that kind of thing, like got me a little nervous when you're in the taxi, like, like have, have the window up, lock the door, don't have your phone out in taxi. Cause then people will come by on the motorcycle. You're just like, you're just like, there's like some kind of word that basically means like, don't act like a tourist. Um, and, uh, but there's a lot of things like that to me that weren't inherently like grain ingrained in my like travel acumen at the time um well and i would scrape about like mexico city some people say it's like quote unquote still dangerous or whatnot but you know a lot of the places are also dangerous i don't have that fear here right and i'm sure you don't have that fear here when we catch yeah. Uber over the place um yeah no, yeah, no it, problem. It, yeah it's definitely a place worth visiting that's for sure um like other places they open up our our perspective um i, I want to dive in now into more of like the the brokerage type of thing so uh you are a broker now and you know, what, what made you want to get into that? And um, what are you currently working on um, uh, as it relates to being a, a business broker? Yeah, so again, sold my business without a broker. I didn't even, I, I found out during that process that they existed. And I, I spoke to one on the phone and my business was too small for brokers to deal with. It was a small, small transaction. And so... um he he was like i can't help you with that but you know I'll, I'll tell you what i know i'll tell you how it works and stuff like that and it was really cool and i was like that sounds interesting like I, that sounds as fun as running a business like just to help people with selling their businesses and so i, I had it in the back of my mind um ended up becoming a consultant for deloitte for about a year and then i was as i was looking towards what's next i i i jump towards a, a brokerage to become an agent for first choice business brokerage is the the company I'm a broker for. And, um, yeah, so I just, the more I, I love looking at businesses. I love just browsing biz buy sell and seeing what's out there. And, um, actually before I made the leap to being a broker, I was looking very seriously at buying another business and I looked at hundreds and then probably got NDAs, got information on 20 of them and like got very close to buying one. I had like pre-approval for an SBA loan and stuff like that. And I was at a crossroads. I was like, either I buy this business and I stay in the U S and like go down this path or 
I like quit my job, sell everything and go to Mexico and do this other thing. Um, obviously I picked that path, but yeah. So I've, I've always just loved the, like looking at businesses, diving into the financials, like, um, seeing how I could improve it, things like that. It's like and real life. So, what's that? It makes you think of like in business school when you do like these little mini case studies, it's like real life. Uh, it's like real fun anyway. Yeah, yeah. I never did. I was a history major, so I never even like have done all that. I've never taken an accounting course or anything. But um, yeah, that probably would be right up my alley. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, running a real business, I'll tell you that for sure. So yeah, 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 yeah. The best business education is business. <laughs> running a bit. Um. So yeah, what else? So that's kind of it. It was kind of just like uh, following what was interesting to me. It was just talking about business, looking at buying businesses. And I think it's, I'm not the type of personality that starts a business. I always, my, the people I admire most are founders, but I've come to realize that's not me. Like I'm definitely suited towards buying an existing business and improving it. And so it just fits naturally for me for, to help other people do that as well. Right. Yeah. It's interesting because I'm helping someone right now uh, exit their business and they want to exit because they're not someone who who scales or anything like that. So there really are different people, right? Like you said, you you'd yeah. rather buy a business and then operate from there. And I know people that rather like start up a business and then sell it and then no, not scale it. So, and there's all different ways to, to buy or sell a business, right? You talked about get an SBA loan. You don't have to have hundreds of thousands of dollars to go and buy your first business. So you have direct experience having done that. Um, and on top of that, like the way I see it is there are a lot of advisors and brokers out there who, who may have their like certification or their like their license or something like that, but they've never they never operated their own business. They never like started one mm -hmm. from the ground up or bought one and like went through the trenches like like you did, you know. And I think the way I, the way I think about it is like, why would I want to <clears throat> if I was buying a house? Why would I trust a real estate agent who doesn't have their own house? Or I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's like they didn't they didn't go through the same like sweat equity that maybe I had to, to get to a certain point. Kind of, and then maybe another analogy would be like, why would I trust a fitness trainer who's fat or who doesn't have the, the body type that I would want? And like for me, I think having that, that real understanding of, of what it took to build something and operate it is very important when you're looking to that person for advice. Like, yes, it could be, you know, related to financials or whatever, but I think just like energetically wise or like, just honoring what you've built, you have to work with people who understand truly what you've built and what it means to you. Um, so that's just my initial thoughts on, on on choosing brokers to work with is trying to choose people who have actually who've actually built been there, have, done that, have been there, yeah. done that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, trying to think if I have anything to add to that. Yeah, it's <laughs> it helps a lot. I mean, I don't. I don't know how most brokers get into this. I think a lot start as real estate agents. That's right. for sure. They start as commercial real estate agents. And so they, and then they see that, oh, I could be selling this business as well. <laughs> but you're right. They don't, they don't have that experience because so much of it is emotional. You know, like right. somebody, let's say it's a guy that's been building his business for 40 years. Like it's not just about money for him. He wants to see this yeah. thing continue. It's his legacy. And so a lot of times sellers won't just look for getting the dollar amount they want or getting maximizing the dollar amount. They'll look for like 
do I like this guy? Does he have the right, is he going to treat my customers well, my friends well, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's a, there's a huge emotional aspect to it that somebody who has owned a business will understand. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think something like, you know, definitely more than half of, of, uh, half of the profit made in a business is, is made when you sell it. And I know for sure, like a majority of entrepreneurs wealth is actually locked up in their business. So it's, yeah. it's not like kind of buying a house and putting a little bit down and, you know, like this, the safety and security of, 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 a, of a mortgage compared to like literally executing the, one of the biggest transactions of your life. So I think it really comes down to like managing that client and really connecting with them. And it just makes it so much easier to connect with them when they know that you've been through uh, a, a very similar path as them. So um, with that, Ross, I want to thank you for coming on the show. If people are interested in reaching out to you to learn more about your experience buying, selling businesses, uh, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, email is ross at rosszeiger.com. My website, rosszeiger.com. And there's links to my Twitter, YouTube. I post uh, how to buy a business series and other useful tidbits in the business buying world. And uh, what else? Yeah, Twitter and YouTube are, are the two best. And you'll find a link for that on my website, rosszeiger.com. Awesome. And I'll link that down below as well. Um, excellent story. Love it. And um, we'll be in touch. We're definitely both, again, I interviewed uh, Matt the other day. So I'm sure I'll see you here at WeWork soon. So anyway, man, Absolutely. be in touch. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. It was great talking to you. You as well. Take care.